0: All right, we're back here. Now you know we had a couple people that uh going to get a COVID shot today. Kevin Zelix, which is a really good caster on here. Um, Raymond is a co-caster, huge tennis fan. Um, so we're going to stay on schedule with this. If we want to do it again, we'll do it again as well. But uh, I'm glad to have Kevin on here. Uh, really, this is more just uh, kind of like a round table. What's up, man? How's it going, man?
1: You're free, huh? Yeah, at the moment, I know I've I haven't uh, casted like anything on here in a while. It's because I was like busy with like my own like uh, my like personal job and stuff like that, and a lot of th- stuff has been going on. But uh, I'm back. I'm, I'm like I'm ready to do this thing with you, man. I'm glad you uh, gave me a text today. Like it sounds fun.
0: Yeah, Pat was uh, I was supposed to have Pat and Redbox on, but Pat's uh, getting the COVID shot. He's like, yo, reach out to Kevin, which I wanted you on the original cast, but. Um, oh, okay. Uh, you're a little. I guess you're a little bit been a little busy in the last month or so.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. So this is one of my favorite tournaments. I felt like I wanted to have a, definitely have a cast on this. I'm going to record this as well. Um, if we have other people hop on at a later time, uh, that'd be great as well. But you know, uh, you've been following this tournament at all? Any thoughts on this tournament um, before we get into it?
1: So I I didn't watch the whole tournament in full. I only saw like a few highlights of like of course like the Federer and the Doll match, like their like Federer's last match. And I know that uh, Federer and Nadal did lose to uh, Tiafo and Sock, mm-hmm. uh, but I really want to talk about um, from what I saw, like just the raw emotion from like Federer and Nadal, Djokovic and Murray. I mean, like all the like big giants of the tennis world. I mean, like it's really like. Nice and also sad to see, see like one of the greats as Roger Federer retire after just one final last go around with his best rival and Rafael Nadal It's just really emotional to see, but also like, don't, don't cry or like, don't cry because, um, it's going away, smile because it happened. You know what I mean? So stuff like that, that you just can't really take for granted. I mean, like Roger Federer is no doubt one of the goats of tennis and, and you can argue he's if he is the good. You there, man?
0: I think kind of broke up.
1: Uh, career has been plagued with a lot of injuries. I know that, like, I believe I want to say like his last like real Grand Slam was like what was it like twenty nineteen Wimbledon? I want to say, but but like it was really like a great pleasure to just to be able to like see one last like ride. Uh, with the Labor Cup, which I know like he's won like abundance of those, and uh, to do it with, with Nadal is just like a very special thing that like just for him, for the fans, and just for like sports fans of tennis in general, like it's really nice to see. Uh, I'm glad I was I was able to like uh, see just that one final match and to see uh, Federer go back on, on onto the court for one last time. But it's been a spectacular ride, let me tell you.
0: It's been amazing man you've been yeah, you've been you kind of breaking up a bit, but uh we'll we'll make it work uh I mean uh, the emotion's been insane. i didn't I didn't expect him insane. an adult I didn't expect him an adult to definitely you know shed tears um after the event um he was gonna come back, but he ended up deciding to retire, but I'm so glad that he he attended this event, which is one of his favorite events. It's been only five five years they've been doing this, and it's one of the underrated events, I think so. And it's been such—it's such an epic event. It's like an all-star match for tennis.
1: Oh yeah, for it? sure.
0: It's kind of like the Ryder Cup in golf, and and so um, it's cool to have Born Borg, you know, captaining the European ship, and then you have uh, John McEnroe, the um, you know, the villain, of course, on the court, captaining the American side. So I mean, it's it's just been—it's just a, such a great tournament. You know, TFO said he's not going to allow he's not going to allow Federer to win. Um, which he didn't, which they ended up coming back and winning that second set with him and Sox. Socks has been uh, the doubles champ. And so they they had some I mean, some epic matches over the years. I am I usually don't get a chance to watch it live because the time delay, they played in London, um, yep. and they, they don't show it, and a lot of, a lot of channel, channels don't show it. So um, uh, did you watch any particular matches in this tournament?
1: Just the just the the a Nadal match, not really any other ones.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's I mean this has been like probably the second or third time they've done it, but uh, unfortunately they weren't able to win this one. But he hit a, he hit a ball through the net, so you know he's he's always you know reinventing the wheel in a way. He's always trying to he's always doing something legendary, um, Federer that is. And so I mean that that was pretty cool to see. Like you know, just when he thought he's he's lost it. And he hasn't been playing that great in the last few years. Um, you know, he's had kids, and he's kind of at the tail end of his career. That's why he's retiring. Mm-hmm. He hits like a he hits another shot through the through the actual net, which I'm not sure if you got a chance to see that, but um, he's just adding more to his, his legacy itself.
1: Yeah, and to really bring up that point, you can really say the same thing about uh, Serena Williams as well. Like this was her last final uh, ride in the uh, this year's U.S. Open, and like really like, just when you thought that she was, like, out of it after that first round uh, upset loss in this year's Wimbledon to Harmony 10, like, she comes out of, of this U.S. Open, like, guns blazing and, like, looking like the Serena that, we're, like, we're used to seeing and upsetting, like, rank two from Estonia contavite. I think that was really, like, you can still see that they're like, they're, like, both Serena and Federer, like, like to that nature, are still, like, pros and all-time all greats of this game known as tennis. And, like, it's, it's going to be really... Uh, sad to like see them go but also like like again you mentioned that Federer has like family and stuff Serena also as well she wants to like uh, have some more evolution uh, past tennis but both are, are definitely welcome back if they ever do decide to come back
0: yeah I mean that's that's a huge point I mean you've seen two of the greats probably two have two of the biggest followings in tennis to make actually two of the biggest personalities or just the two of the two good two of the biggest icons on both sides of women's and the men's in modern day tennis because i think the tennis game has completely it's been a, it's evolved so much in the last decade or so i mean it wasn't as uh, as popular on tv yeah you had Sanford's agassi but i think now it's it's definitely more of a mainstay on tv what, would you agree with that
1: yeah i would definitely like agree it's more of a mainstay because like we mentioned like these are two of the uh most cult following of, of like tennis players that you're ever going to see like as opposed to like uh, some of the great tennis players from, from the past. And really, like, Roger Federer and, like, Serena Williams are, are both class acts. They're both fantastic at what they do. Like, you mean, talk about Serena Williams getting 23 slams, the most out of any male or female at at this point in time. And then, like, Roger Federer basically, for for the longest time before Nadal and Djokovic started winning more grand slams, had the most grand slams that being deadlocked at 20 for a long time. And then, mm. like, both of, of those, like tennis players, like, you can't say enough about, like, there's really nothing more as you can say about the, the, those two t- players are just exceptional at what they do. It's going to, they left a big legacy behind them, and I think the whole tennis world, including, like, the young up-and-coming, like, tennis stars, including, like, Carlos Alcaraz, are sure to soon follow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that he wasn't on the uh, on the roster, man. I mean, he, he played an amazing, and only two weeks after the U.S. Open, but uh, I thought they were going to definitely bring him on um he's he's definitely loved by the tennis community and you know in the uh, in the locker room to you know Carlos Alvarez that is uh you know the Europeans they're up in this tournament as they usually are and uh you know somehow they the uh, team world was able to come back because they have that system you know day one they have it's one point per win day two it's it's two per, points per win and uh, day three is three points per win so you know, Team World definitely capitalized on on day three. We have RC Millen coming on. We'll bring him on as a speaker. So um, I love the format, man. Because I mean, you got you kind of got like that hockey feel they used to do Team Europe versus Team World or Team North America. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got that. Um, what's up, RC? Uh, and then you got that like you know whole thing with um, you know each team having their own coach there, and they have the, the they have each other mic'd up. It's just such a cool. Um, it's such a cool dynamic to see that, and I, I can't stop watching. Like you know, the coaching. You know, it's Roger Federer is like getting water to to Djokovic, um, and you know Djokovic is getting providing you know uh, help on uh, how to how to play his opponent to Andy Murray. It's just cool to see that.
1: hmm For sure.
2: How you doing, Prince? Kevin, what's going on? How's it going, what's that, RC? Man? Prince, it's been a while.
0: Yeah, man, RC, what are your thoughts on this tournament, man? I mean, I think it's one of my favorite tournaments. I think it, it definitely goes overlooked. Uh, we were just, Me and Kevin were just talking about you know, the influence of uh, Roger Federer and um, Serena retiring kind of back-to-back, um, how it's impacting the game. But what are your thoughts on this tournament? I think it's one of the most underrated tournaments in the game.
2: Well, uh, full disclosure, I didn't know the dynamics of the tournament until I saw your post on ColorCast. And I uh, am not really on uh, the Colorcast app much because iPhone is not my main phone. So, uh, taking a look and seeing that this is a Europe versus the rest of the world, and it is a men's tournament. And uh, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot of potential for this thing uh, to be the fifth major, if you will. Uh, The fact that it's a team concept. The fact that, uh, you know, if you have a uh, division for uh, women as well, uh, I I mean, I I think that this is a can't lose. And, uh, you know, I do think that it's, uh, as I choose my words carefully, kind of typical of tennis, uh, that uh, the marketing for tennis is uh, this has been going on for five years. And, you know, I Mm -hmm. consider myself pretty with it in terms of a sports perspective. I never heard of it. I'm and, surprised, uh,
0: man. I'm surprised. I'm glad. <laughs> you, I'm glad I taught you something about tennis here, man. Especially, <laughs> especially me hopping on your podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, I, I just think, especially these days, and uh, you know, as uh, speaking to two guys who are from the uh, U.S., uh, that I think that tennis, golf, soccer, uh, these are sports that really have such potential uh, to go away from the uh, like uh, as contact sports are under the microscope more with concussions, with brain injuries. Prince, we did have a chat about it on my podcast. Right. Uh, that tennis is a is an incredible sport. And I don't know what the dynamics is in the U.S., but there are a few public courts in my neck of the woods where it is relatively inexpensive to play, like other sports. You know, if you want to play competitively, you have to pay top dollar. But uh, I... I, I, to me, I think the, the red flags, if you will, are that this is a weekend tournament or like a three-day tournament mm-hmm. that is not a two-week, and why isn't the WTA in uh, in this is uh, the, the questions that I have right now.
0: I never even thought about that. I mean, that's a good point. What are your thoughts on that, like, Kevin? I mean, you think the women should definitely be a part of this? I think that's a good idea.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that
1: it should be, like, as equal as, as can be. I feel like the women should definitely be a part of it because there is some, like, big juggernauts, like, on the women's side that, like, are just, up for, like, really up and coming. Like, after, like, Serena is, is like, retired. I mean, you talk about Anz Jabur, You're talking about Iga uh, Shviatek. Mm-hmm. Contivate. Like, all these great, like, women players, like, I feel like should definitely be included because they definitely deserve it.
2: Yeah, uh, If I may also, like, I, I think that this is something that should you know with golf with uh, the Ryder Cup and the Presidents Cup uh you know it mirrors a traditional golf tournament where it's on the weekend where it's four days obviously the competition is different but um the the formation of a Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup is a lot similar this Laver Cup is only a 3 day event so mm-hmm. uh you know as regular tournaments are 1 to 2 weeks more so 2 weeks uh I think that they should have something following that same format as it does the majors and the rest of the tennis seasons if yeah, it's possible
0: yeah if it's possible I think you know it's it definitely resembles a lot of the, the the Ryder Cup kind of you know uh mentality and and it's cool like we were talking about it earlier mean Kevin before you hopped on it's it's like an all-star game like an NHL all-star game almost you know where they have team Europe versus team North America or team world so it's it's really cool to see this dynamic. They they have all the red lights on the outside where th- where all the fans are sitting. Um, so it's cool. They have they kind of have that. The light the lighting the way they do, so they make it they make it really seem very cinematic. And so it's the the games are fantastic. The the banter between the sidelines and, and seeing, you know, John McEnroe, that one I think twenty nineteen where he was just acting like John McEnroe usually does, just like being like a freaking jackass to the ump about a call. <laughs> it's just fun. Like, yeah, you got Kyrgios who I wish he would have joined this tournament. Obviously we we talked about it on the podcast, but uh Kevin you're probably aware because of all this all the antics that he's He's been going going through and all the allegations that he has through Wimbledon. Uh-huh. And so uh, he was like, you know, bringing a lot of fun banter, just talking shit on the sidelines and talking shit to Federer and all that stuff. So that's fun to see. It's just fun to see that dynamic. And then the level of embarrassment, you know, Ogier uh, Alissim. I forgot to even mention him, a Canadian tennis player. He beat... Um, uh, he beat uh, Roger Federer and one of uh, Djokovic in one of the matches, and um, you know it's kind of embarrassing. Like if you're if you got like the big four with you, and then you they're kind of on your sidelines, and you have uh, and you lose a match to somebody you're supposed to beat. Don't you think it's a little embarrassing?
1: I mean, like I guess you can call it embarrassing, but also like I feel like it's like a, a big sign of, of like just how uh, impressive like Felix Algerale-Asim is, and like all like. Like I mentioned with our Carlos Alcaraz earlier, with all the up and coming, uh, new young talent, the new young era, like after, like pretty much after Djokovic and Nadal uh, retire, like soon, whenever they, they, whenever that may be, all the, these young talented players are going to be up and coming, and like really give them a run for their money. You can, like I mentioned, Carlos Alcaraz, Carlos Alcaraz earlier, Casper Ruud. How's Ali Asim? Even Shapovalov, who I think is another young Canadian tennis player, who I feel like oh, yeah. could really oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go, go up in, in the ranks for sure. And then, like, Berrettini, like, of course, I feel like he's going to win one soon. Uh, Sitsipas, just all the all those players. Because we, we saw that Dominic team won mm-hmm. in the U.S. Open, so it's definitely possible for, like, young players like him to, like, come up in the ranks. And then we saw Carlos Alcaraz just make a tremendous U.S. Open, like, tournament run and completely wipe out Casper Root in the finals. I mean, you talk about how impressive and how much all the, like, big greats inspired them to really uh, train them and give them some utilized skills that they, that they can use themselves and maybe be as good as them one day.
2: You know, I, I think also, if uh, if I may, that uh, that as much as uh, the past 15, 20 years, especially with the ATP uh, they had uh, such a historic big three in Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. And as much as I want to put Andy Murray in there, uh, the number of majors and uh, what he accomplished doesn't compare to the other three. I guess the uh, what fails to be uh, acknowledged is what happens after. And now we're essentially at after where Federer is retiring uh, Djokovic is still dominant, I suppose, but, uh, Nadal, the word is that he's getting closer to the sunlight, uh, to the, uh, to the end of the road, excuse me. But we're see, uh, like where is, uh, the ATP as well as the WTA. Now the Serena's uh, retired. Where are they going to, um, what is tennis going to do in terms of highlighting the people of tomorrow, which essentially is today. I mean, you know, you could drop the names of, uh, Al Karaz, O.J. Aliassim, Shapovalov, um, Sfiantek, uh, uh the girl from Estonia who I can't remember off the top of my head. but uh, con- Thank you. Uh, but, you know, these people uh, just have uh, the opportunity of taking that uh, sport to the next level. And it should be the governing body of that sport, WTA ATP, to get them to the spotlight before they start winning majors. You know, I don't know about you two, but I didn't really hear Sviatek until she won that major, right? And like we do see in the other major sports, we sure as hell knew about LeBron James before he uh, first suited up for Cleveland. So, I mean, I do think that tennis uh, is behind the eight ball. I really do. I don't know about your thoughts, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think they're um, behind the eight ball, especially when it comes to European players getting, uh, you know... A lot of um, publicity here in the west, western part of the world, talking about tennis here. And you know, we talked about it on your podcast, but I, I've mentioned it many times. I'm here in Carolina, and it's just, it's a huge market. I went to college in Florida, um, and there's a huge market for tennis in the United States. So there is a market. It certainly, of course, is you know down the list when it comes to uh, popularity. When it comes to you know college football and NFL and basketball, but I mean. Yeah, we're not hearing these players. Now with the big four going and you know Andy Andy Murray wasn't even supposed to be a part of this tournament. He has not attended all four of them, but I think he did it because Federer's retirement. I think that was a really classy move on his part. I think that was a really good move, plus he, especially because it's a, he's a hometown boy. He's in London, so you know, that was really cool to have him back in the tournament. He lost his one singles match, but um it's cool to see the big four together and them, and them kind of celebrating in that gala and them coming in like that G6 plane, the private plane they came in. <laughs> <laughs> but Barrettini, we got a, t- a ton of players that are good and it's cool like Kevin was saying, I mean, it's cool to see like the the old vets kind of kind of show them the way, but it's cool to play with those guys and have them on your team. How cool is that as a dynamic?
2: Uh well, I I mean, to see um to see uh, Djokovic and Federer on the same team, going for the same, uh, you know, prize together, uh, like Davis Cup, like Fed Cup. I mean, I think that's what is so romantic about uh, the Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup. I mean, yeah, I I think that uh, golf internationally, and when you think of uh, Solheim uh, for uh, for the LPGA, that. It is great to see these individual sports, uh, you know, come together as one vying for a prize. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, there could be a lot more clarity uh, with regards to Davis Cup uh, when it uh, comes to uh, when that end date is for uh, the championship uh, tournament. Uh, You know, you think about Champions League in soccer, you know where when that big match is and you know where it's going to be played. There's a definition of... You know the round of sixteen and so on, uh, and I, I think that tennis does need to clear uh, clarify because I think, obviously, internationally, uh, international tennis is uh, massive and it, yeah, it's, it, it, it draws it's really a lot of attention.
0: But it's really cool to see, and yeah, yeah, point taken. I mean, it's really cool to see that you know if you are Barrettini, if you are those young up and coming stars, you get a chance to play with some of the legends that you grew up watching, and this is a tournament that allows you to do that. And unfortunately, I guess maybe like if you haven't seen it, if you don't know too much about it, RC, I mean, which is uh, it seems like a lot of people out there probably don't know much about it to begin with, which is an unfortunate thing because this is one of my favorite tournaments, Um, you know, TFO, Sitsipas. I mean, there's some big, heavy, really good players. They get to play doubles together, which is such a cool dynamic for players who practically play their entire career um, focusing on their singles, you know, career right? So, I mean, they get to play together, and then they have, you know, the greats like Bjorn Bjornborg and McMurray. Um I think this is just a, a, such a great tournament. I think Fed is such a good ambassador for the game that he decided to show up one last time because of that.
2: And, uh, you know, uh, with regards to uh, international, as you were saying, Europe versus the rest of the world, like, I uh, have uh, caught myself watching uh, Olympic highlights and Monica Puig, who uh, I'm sure nobody really knows, but won gold in uh, women's tennis uh, during Rio, and she beat Angelique Kerber. So, uh, you know, to see uh, Andy Murray win gold at Wimbledon when he's not wearing white, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, what my point is in a roundabout way, is, like, uh, to see the um, European uh, flag and the rest of the world... um, uh a uniform uh like highlight that enhance that yeah i know i definitely think that it could be a massive uh and uh keep my eye out for sure for next uh next year whenever the uh next tournament is
0: i mean i don't know kevin like you i don't know if you watched the previous tournaments man but there were some epic matches curios versus federer two years ago was insane i -hmm. mean Kyrios was bringing freaking heat you think he was gonna win it and then somehow Federer, you know, have all has all these spin backhands just to keep him in the match, tires him out, and just you know ends up winning in that third set tiebreak, which is such a cool format. It's not a; it's just a tiebreak instead of them playing the full third set. It's just a, it's just the first one to ten, and I so I so love the the format uh, that they've added. It, it just it just invites so much variability because you don't know who's gonna win it. You know. Alger, uh, you at least see him a match. You know, you got Tioforo who won a match coming back against uh, that so he, he probably should have lost because of the way it's set up, the scoring system set up.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, you go back to what you said about Kyrgios. Like, you talk about how hot he was, like, three years ago. I feel like he's getting hot, like, now. Like, like oh, this year. Sure. In for particular, sure. like, in Wimbledon against Djokovic, I feel like he played, played pretty well despite losing. And then in this – just in this recent uh, U.S. Open – Really giving it to, to Medvedev and winning that match, I feel like he's like that much closer to finally winning like a Grand Slam final. I feel like the only thing that's holding him back, and I feel like this is kind of obvious at this point, but it's his, it's his mental fortitude, right. something something that Djokovic has, and that's why I feel like he's one of the, the most uh, mentally stable like tennis greatest tennis players that, that you can think of something that Kyrios is missing from, from like his game because I feel like his physical game and like his serve and like in particular is really like at that level almost but his mental game is really really what's like uh and his like of course is like uh, what's it called uh temper temperament is really uh holding him back because we've seen quite a few rackets being smashed in like the multiple tournaments that he's recently been in of course he got a free pass to the Wimbledon final because Nadal withdrew, which he was supposed to face. But, again, I feel like that's really the only thing sending him back. But, like you mentioned, I think Kyrgios is definitely an inch away from, like, getting that first slam.
0: I mean, yeah, I, he he had a great opportunity at the U.S. Open. He had all these moments where he just decided – he got away with a lot in the U.S. Open. Surprisingly, he still decided to – Break rackets. He he hit a ball against the wall, which Medvedev kind of uh, you know copied as well because he was getting pissed. And um, Mm -hmm. some some of the antics, I'm surprised he got away with. He did get fined significantly in the U.S. Open. Um, And I mean, he had that epic Mexican Federer. That was a great tournament, 2019. They had that great uh, doubles match with Sock and Isner versus uh, Federer and Nadal. I mean, that's one of my favorite labor cup matches you should check it out rc when you get a chance on on youtube it's such an amazing match that they had um big serving isner against uh against two of the greatest playing together lefty righty and then you got sock who's a double specialist and a great volleyer too and a good really good solid forehand so i mean it's just such a it's such a cool tournament you got some good players and they get a chance to kind of put themselves on the map and uh play together as a team. And uh, they really make it into a big event. They have like, you know, a gala event, they have a press conference, everything. Um you know, so I really enjoy this uh very, very much. So um you know it's gonna it's gonna be sad to see Federer leave. Like, you know, I think he's to me he's the greatest of all time, personally. Um what do you guys th- what do you, What is your lasting memory of Federer in this tournament, if you guys have any memories in this tournament, uh, or just overall in the game?
2: I mean, well, for me personally, I think uh, what stands out the most to him is it's just dominance and nothing else. Uh, to me, I'm more intrigued of a guy like, well, between uh, Djokovic and Nadal. Uh, you have a lot of flash you have a lot of uh confidence you have a lot of uh um with federer it's just mr consistency and i and i am very intrigued on if it is going to uh if that kind of um i guess uh is that going to sell in the future but i mean it's specific to roger uh he, i he, i mean his his branding is incredible with the uh RF logo. It's incredible, man. It's yeah, incredible. no, it's 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 beautiful. Uh and uh just really uh how he uh dominated uh the sport the way that he did. Uh I I think uh, truthfully the one thing that I am going to uh, uh think about and is because you're you're seeing it now in baseball, they are uh, uh having a little bit more personality. Bat flips are a lot more uh, prevalent. Uh, a guy like Nick Kyrgios is just, uh, you know, he's, uh fans are just eating out of the palm of his hand. I mean, uh, I personally was really hoping that he would take the Wimbledon final. Uh, and I think his personal uh, personality is because of it. Uh, so are fans and media getting away from the whole just play your craft and nobody care, uh, don't uh, put yourself out there anymore? Personally, that's what I'm wondering and thinking. But pure dominance, not to
0: pure dominance. Solid. Yeah, I mean, his uh, Kevin was talking about how emotional it was in this tournament. Um, and if you watch the highlights, you know you see them crying. They had a, of course, they had a farewell speech and um, to commemorate his career, and they celebrated it. And uh, you know, Nadal was crying as well. So Kevin was talking about the emotion emotional aspect because. He's changed the game and he's changed the game, not just dominance, but you look at the way he's done it off the court or even when he's won. You know, Uncle Tony, you know, Uncle Tony, who we talk about, Uncle, uh, who was um, Nadal's uncle, who, who actually started his career. Talks about how gracious of a player he was. Uh, is He was just such a, grace, gr- a gracious guy, very respectful of his opponents. Um, you know, he was a professional and he always talked very well. The guy speaks like four or five different languages. And he's, mm-hmm. he's, he speaks English so well. Like it's so mm-hmm. hard not to want to listen to him speak English. Like, um, I, I mean, the, the variety he had, um, you know, the the, the um, passing shots, the net game. Um, and I was looking at something on Instagram, uh, on, or sorry, on, uh, on Twitter. The guy has like 17-0 record against Ferrer. He's 14 and 0 against Cole Schreiber. 13 and 0 against Feliciano Lopez. You know, he's 7 and 0 against Verdasco. And there's there's a bunch of people on this list. There's probably 15 people on this list where he completely bageled them his entire career. Like how dominant is this guy?
2: You know, I I guess uh and before I'm sorry if I'm monopolizing my time on the on the mic here, uh but I wonder if uh that kind of dominance where Multiple where the same uh, person or team wins the same championship over and over again, if that does create excitement. Like, for me personally, I'm not a fan of men's basketball in the Olympics because I know it's USA and everybody else mm-hmm. with respect to our home and native land prince. So uh, I, I, I am You no wondering. chance in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no doubt, no doubt. But I mean, uh, I, I do think that variety is a spice of life. And uh, you know, with uh, regards to... Back in the day, in the '90s and uh, earlier, yes, Steffi Graf was um, ran it for so long, like Serena Williams did. But you had a Sanchez Vicario, Mar- Car- Conchita Martinez, Jennifer Capriati, mm-hmm, Lindsay mm-hmm. Davenport, uh, right. and uh, with the the men's side, you had the Sampras, the Chang, the uh, Michael Stick the um uh Yvonne Lendl uh so you know uh, you got a lot more uh names in the hat there so uh I I think that if there is such dominance uh that I do think that there is another element that needs to be added and I'm not saying exactly like Kyrios, but it wouldn't hurt if he had a little bit uh, more flair like a personality speaking (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely we definitely need a little bit more of that in the sport cuz it is a conservative sport as we've kind of highlighted, it, it, at least that's what we're subcommunicating without saying it directly about the sport of tennis. And I think, you know, for me dominance, I have no problem with one guy dominating the sport. I grew up with freaking um Pete Sanford, just 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 abolishing everybody at Wimbledon, and I was a huge Pete Sanford fan growing up. And before I started to, you know, appreciate a, a baseliner like like Agassi. But, you know, I think it's a sport where you're, it's especially growing up in North America, whether it's Canada or the United States. When you're in Canada, you're still kind of following a lot of American tennis players. You, 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 have, you don't have a problem with just one guy being so dominant, especially in the way Federer has been able to do it. It's just the elegance, the shot making. They call him a shot maker before he became pro even. Like he was just a natural growing up. And, um, and he, he just, you know, he, he went about the right way. He had to take down Sampras, you know, in that legendary match um, at the tail end of his career. And, you know, he's turned out to be, of course, the best ever, in my opinion, just with the way he plays. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Kevin? What, I mean, remembering Federer, like, what are your favorite, what are your highlights Um in, in regards to what, what RC had to say in regards to, you know, the, you know, having a, a good amount of different, uh, a volume of players versus one guy kind of dominating year after year.
1: I mean, you and RC kind of nailed, uh, hit the nail on the head there when you said like, he's just like a, a great guy, like like off the court on and off the court. He's a great tennis player with, with especially using utilizing his forehand and, and that one handed backhand that he's, that he's known for. Um, speaking five different languages. Uh also I feel like he's very humble in his victories and gracious in defeats. He's always uh respects his opponents no matter what what type of opponent they may they may be. Um he barely even gets uh angry towards the referees. I feel like there hasn't really been too many cases where Roger has like lost his cool as like as much as like say like Kyrios has or like oh, McEnroe sure. has. But uh Again, like I can't, I can't speak on like, uh, on like the the Sampras and Nagassi days because I was born in ninety nine so I was kind of <laughs> spoiled with like Djokovic, Natal, and Federer. Geez, I feel and, old. And, and, yeah, yeah, no, no. And doubt. I've only, and I've only, uh, I started watching it in as early as two thousand nine. So like around that time is when I really got got started got started really into tennis. And just yeah. seeing the way Federer plays is just something I, I'm never going to forget. And one like weird thing that I oddly remember from Federer is like, remember when like, I forget which tournament it was. I think it was ATP where they tried to utilize like blue clay and that tournament and that Federer won that one.
0: I don't remember that. I don't know. Yeah. They
1: they, they tried to use like, like different types of surfaces, I guess like to see the ball better or whatever it is. So Mm. they tried utilizing like blue clay and it was like the worst surface ever, but Federer won that tournament and like, if he could win on like blue clay or whatever kind of surface, like he's just like an all around great player on any any surface and it really shows. And like the, just the way that Federer carries himself is like and just like the way he presents himself, his marketing, like you mentioned, uh, able to face really any opponent whenever he's able to get his uh physical rhythm in game is like something I'm never going to forget from him.
0: Yeah, no, that was that was really well said. I mean, I think. I'm a huge fan for a lot of the same. I love playing tennis myself. I'm trying to get back out there, especially now I'm in Carolina and uh, try to see if I can find a community out here. Because, I mean, I look at it from just stylistically. The guy has everything in his repertoire. We forgot about mentioning his one-handed slice backhand. He actually actually has one of the best slice backhands. He creates the most revolutions aside from Nadal's forehand. And it's just a slice backhand because he takes it all the way from the top of his head and slices all the way down towards his his leg. And so his technique is just unbelievable. Um, to play with such a small diameter racket, that means you have to have really good precision and, and, and vision and timing. His forehand, you know, he took it so early and is so lethal. I mean, people say Nadal's is better. I know, Kevin, we talked about it on the cast with Pat one time. I think Nadal, because of just the rotations and in, in the high... The spin in the lefty kind of loop that he creates is, is probably a little bit more of a, a challenge for people on tour. But if you're just taking a forehand, talk, talking about like a textbook forehand, taking it early, getting it deep, getting pace on it, hitting all the angles, Federer's got the best one in the books, and it's really hard to play against that. Mm-hmm. And he's got an underrated backhand and underrated serve, too. He's I know Andy Roddick's talked about it. You know, he's like he didn't have the same pace as Andy Roddick, but he's able to hit it short of the box. <laughs> Far and deep in the box, he's able to hit it, you know, with a kick serve. He's able to hit it hit it down the line. He hits a you know, body serve. He kind of, he knows what's coming because he's left-eye dominant. So he kind of, um, he adjusts his serve last minute many times on a toss. And he really throws, he usually just a lot of deception with his play against his opponents, which is really why he's such a tactician at the game. He plays chess while everybody else trying to play checkers. Huh. Looks like RC received my message there. Yeah, um, no, it's, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, it's uh, yeah. Don't worry about that guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean that's kind of what I remember him as. Like, you know, I just think you know the elegance, and uh, I hopped on a debate against Pat once, and I uh, it was a, it was a women's uh, tennis debate, and I I kind of brought him into the equation because Justine Anna reminded me of 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 Roger Federer. and To me, he's my favorite player to watch outside of any American tennis born player. I love Andy Roddick. I'm not sure if you watch Andy Roddick much, Kevin, growing
1: up in the States. Oh, I did. I, I watched um quite a bit of Andy Roddick. In fact, like he's one of one of the few like US players that I really liked watching like back then like in the late 2000s. So
0: Yeah, he's one of the guys who had a lot of emotion which is kind of what compelled me to be a big fan of his, that big serve. Uh, he, he probably should have beat Federer in, in a Wimbledon final one time. Um, but he could never get out of the hump. The legendary match he played against Federer in Wimbledon where they had that, like, they went up to, like, 15 or 20 in, in the last five-sit tie break. Um, and so, I mean, he's always uh, had a hard time playing against him. And he, he could return a serve. Federer could return a serve just by the flick of his wrist, which is unbelievable, just the reaction time and which like what kind of natural he was.
2: I think one thing to uh be very wary of is to uh anoint someone the next Federer and the next Serena Williams. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that Iga Swiatek is uh the next Serena Williams, but I mean she's been killing it for uh uh th- this past year. I if I'm not mistaken two majors and three finals. So okay. uh I saw her uh her ranking uh, in the uh, the WTA ranking and the points that she's uh, achieved, uh, I'm pretty sure that she's lapped it. who was at two. So, uh, you know, uh, I hope the WTA is uh, getting out there and getting her name out there because uh, maybe the three of us may know her name, but how many people in the tennis world do? And, right. uh, yes, Serena Williams, uh, there's a lot of easy marketing attributes out there she is american she is black uh but a great tennis player is a great tennis player so Mm -hmm. uh as far as i know uh igas born and raised in poland Mm
1: -hmm. i'm pretty sure
2: is not going to be able to become an african-american anytime soon so uh (laughs) wta hopefully she they could uh get her name out there and the rest of the uh uh, wta and atb with the uh, great players they have
1: i mean you can also argue like that Ashley Barty like could have been the next Serena Williams, sure. but then she decided to retire this year after she won uh, in this year's Australian Open final. And uh, really, that's a, that's a really damn shame. I, I feel because I feel like she was definitely like one of the more consistent like like top players on the women's side. And then Degas Schrieker just kind of like took over and went on like a thirty plus match win streak. It went on to win a lot more Grand Slams that she could have anticipated. And I feel like Schrieker is definitely in in, in like the the top running for, like, the best women's tennis player right now.
0: I mean, I didn't really didn't hear much about her before, um, quite honestly, RCF, before I did start doing the uh, the podcast. Um, and the second one I hopped on, because, um, like you said, after, after you know, Serena kind of decided to, you know, she came back. She was still out of the game for a bit. And, you know, Venus is still there, but, uh, you know, she she's, uh, hasn't been consistent. But there's been a lot of players. The Ivanoviches I mean, the, there's been so many... Mm-hmm. There's been, I mean, so many people that um, I can't even remember, but there's so many top players, the Hennon Ardans, uh, that, that played during the beginning of Serena's uh, tenure. And so because they've all left, whether they got married, usually get, they get married, you know, they have kids. Um, you know, Caroline Wozniacki, for instance, who was doing the broadcast here in the States um, the, for, for the U.S. Open. So, I mean, all these people that are really good tennis players – and they've turned the page to all these new era tennis players that I haven't heard of. So, And they just haven't been promoting it as much, like you were saying. And so certainly if you're from Poland, you're not going to get that much airplay here. But uh, you definitely need to get some of those names out there because once um, Serena's gone, I mean, you got to make sure there's going to be a, a good following for the women's game.
2: Well, and I think that's exactly my point. And, uh, you know, being uh somebody who's uh, significantly older than well Kevin but uh like uh, <laughs> older than you uh uh by a good couple of years prince that the big players in uh tennis in the 80s yeah there was McEnroe and uh you know if you want to i mean uh Monica Seles eventually became an american but right. between uh Davenport uh and uh you know, Chang uh Capriati right. Sampras uh you know there was a lot of uh play towards uh those players from Europe and that uh Sanchez Vicario was a very recognizable name from Spain. And uh I I i it's it's just really, really interesting to know uh like why it, it perhaps as uh the big four sports and uh, other sports uh got Uh, You know, utilize social media. Uh, It it seems that tennis didn't. And, you know, there is a huge problem when one of your recognizable names in the 90s and early 2000s was an Anna Kornikova, where she did not win a lot of singles uh, tournaments. And yeah, she had a great doubles career. But... uh,
0: Yeah, we had Maria Sharapova, who's, you know, she crossed over from Russia to the States. She became pretty popular outside Mm -hmm. of tennis, too. So that's one name to also recall.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. But when uh, the media is focusing on how somebody looks, that is a huge problem for Mm -hmm. uh, a sport like the WTA. uh, Because you had a lot of incredible talent out there. And, uh, you know... uh, uh, in the end uh you, you just have to you have to deal with the cards that you have and Sviantec and alcaraz and uh you know these are the big people of uh, your sport so uh i don't think they're doing any justice uh tennis by not promoting uh who they have as well as promoting doubles tennis guys i mean seriously uh, i, mm-hmm. I serious doubles yeah doubles tennis i think is uh and Let's call it what it is. If you guys haven't noticed, I'm sure you have. The first and second rounds of tournaments are not sellouts. So uh why is there a lot of empty seats? Are they pricing tickets too high? Uh because there is should not be a reason why uh you know, even uh for ma- uh for matches uh involving hometown kids or whatever the case is The uh, ticket ratio uh, being sold is always towards the later rounds of the tournament. Mm -hmm. And anyway,
0: yeah, I mean, I I was telling Kevin this on on the cast a while back. I've been to the US Open twice, and Mm. I've been to I've seen Federer twice, um, and they are overpriced. Um, Luckily, I was kind of in the semis. I got to see Del Potro, Federer a second time. Del Potro (laughs) beat him. One of my favorite tennis players. I know Kevin likes him as well. Um, unfortunately he got plagued with injuries. Uh, mm-hmm. but, and then, you know, I, and I got to another match, which was kind of in the quarterfinals. So I didn't have a problem. And, you know, I was an Arthur Ashe both times. It was pretty filled, but a lot of the times in the first couple rounds, they're not filled. And so <laughs> it seems sorry, like, you sorry, know, no, it's just funny. The timing of those, the, the, those receipts <laughs> <laughs> Um mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just, Like I'm talking about this tournament and specifically, like you see these doubles matches. You see two guys like Federer and Nadal who don't play doubles because they're focused on their their singles careers and they play together. Like it doesn't doesn't that make you want to watch a good doubles match? Like back in the day, you'd see somebody like a Steffi Graf. She had a huge doubles career. She played every single doubles uh, match with somebody from Brazil. I forgot her name, but um, you know they don't. They need to bring back shine some more light on that. I think they should have mixed doubles some big tournaments with mixed doubles or or just these these heavy like top 10 top 20 players play doubles during um these grand slams they have all this free time you know and you know if you're if you're immersing yourself into the into the event you might as well play doubles cuz it was so fun to watch in these in this tournament I mean to watch Federer and Nadal you know Ozrealisem play with uh you know um, with with Sock Isner play with Sock I mean Isn't that what you want to see? Like, isn't that what you, when you play the tennis games or when you play, you know, basketball, when you create your own team, you want to pick the best players and play, play a good match. Don't you want to see that?
2: Well, absolutely. I I mean, if your big players are playing in a tournament, you want to milk every uh, chance that they get every uh, time that they get out there. And, uh, Serena Williams' doubles career was uh, acknowledged, but she was playing with her sister. Right. If she was playing with some uh, random person, is she going to get uh, that kind of cred? And that kind of exposure? So, uh, yeah, again... However, uh, I
0: do appreciate the fact that she stuck with it and, and I think her father instilled it. Playing with her sister definitely helps, but they stuck with that doubles career and they didn't forego it just to just to focus on their singles career, which... I totally appreciate the uh, you know that approach. What do you think, Kevin?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that like doubles play does not get enough love. I mean, I feel like for this uh, this past U.S. Open tournament, I saw a very nice men's doubles final between Rahm and Salisbury. I thought that was a really nice men's doubles final because I believe it's, it's it's their second straight U.S. Open uh, win. Those two guys, and I thought that was a pretty pretty exciting match to say the least. So I definitely think that that doubles should definitely get some more love. I know, like, um, obviously, like Venus and Serena. I guess those are two big names that kind of help drive up ratings. But like, yeah, it's re- really sad to, to see. Like, it's really the names that's going to drive ratings. I feel like it's it should it should be more like um, highlighted on like really because like especially on, on like how much I don't, I don't want to say it's more difficult. I just want to. I think it's like more like. Uh, more teamwork oriented as opposed to like when it's just you, you yourself but in singles. It's like a little something different to like look out for, which I like.
0: Yeah, I mean they skim over it when they show match highlights on on TV here in the states. And I think, like I'm saying, like I'm watching Federer and doll play together. Like, how cool is that? Like, why can't we have something like that? Um, you know, even Federer playing with Varenka, who's his countryman. Like, that's still fun to watch to me. Like, I don't know why they don't highlight it on TV enough. Um, It's – and everybody should be getting involved in that. Andy Roddick should be playing. And, you know, if you have more people like Serena showing up to those matches, I think doubles is such a fun game to play. Like, I like playing doubles sometimes more than singles because it's just such a fun event to be a part of and to watch. Um, And I just feel like if they have more of them in these tournaments, it just just adds more flair to the – to the
2: uh to the exposure of the sports. Yeah, well and uh again uh what would the appetite be if Federer had uh an axe to grind. And uh, obviously the dominance that he had and obviously we're talking about uh you know uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh what if scenarios. But mm-hmm. uh that it did, uh, being I mean from uh traditional te- uh, uh television consumption to social media to uh, you know, just playing the game and not having a personality. It, 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 hmm. it, I mean, now that I think of it, it does seem that uh tennis is doing things a lot more backwards where they had the McEnroe and the conners and now they have the federer and the um, you yeah, know, well. Serena had a a couple of comments but literally you could count it on the uh on uh on your hand the number of times she said some uh, said something with uh some emotion. So uh yeah again I I think that uh uh tennis is definitely has a lot of opportunity uh to uh, to grow and it'd be interesting to see what uh how they do it when uh, do you guys
0: no. do you guys think that Federer and Serena will stay in the game in some capacity uh, to drive the sport?
1: Absolutely, for sure. Like whether it's like I, Serena even said it herself in like her last uh, match before she lost to uh, Tom Tomjanovic. Uh she said that she definitely is not going to get away from the sport. Like she wants to get some capacity as either like either like a coach to like coach the next up and coming tennis star. Whether it's a commentator, I feel like Roger Federer w- w- would go down the same route as well, or even as a tennis analyst. I feel like you can't really go wrong with like uh, past tennis players, like either commentating and analyzing or coaching. I mean, look look at what, what John McEnroe is doing commentating. He's like one of the most more recognizable ones out there right now in terms of commentating, and then like that's, you have former players coaching yeah, as well.
0: That's why I love him as a coach, not just because of his personality, but. He brings so much to the sport. He still brings so much to the sport. 30-year broadcaster. I mean, I know both of you love hearing him when he's calling matches. He's such a good broadcaster. He's so opinionated, very confident, knows his stuff, very good analyst. And then also, you have him as your team leader for Team World. Like, wouldn't you want to play for him? That's awesome, man. To me, that's great.
2: You know, uh, with regards to uh, Federer and Serena, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering... Uh, How much are they going to move the needle being away from tennis? I mean, Jimmy Jimmy Connors, uh, he was a a coach. He was a coach for Eugenie Bouchard. Uh, You know, didn't really have any sort of microscope, uh, like a a spotlight at all.
0: He coached uh, Roddick for a bit, and he he was kind of on and off. He he wasn't that consistent, but go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, uh, just uh, very quickly, like, unless if you are a John or Patrick McEnroe, Mary Jo Fernandez, Chris Everett, uh, that i i mean i I don't really know how much uh more they can give to the game uh i uh, you know to keep it in a uh, north american perspective in football like how much of a great broadcaster is tom brady going to be he's definitely going to be paid like a great broadcaster but he's never had any proof of attracting a fan with his words and his commentary so uh in terms of Federer and Serena, I'm really skeptical if they are going to be able to move the needle.
0: Okay, yeah, I see you're taking it from that perspective. But you think they're going to stay in the game much or not?
2: Um, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, as ambassadors to the sport, uh, if they do something that really, uh, you know, gets more kids uh, to the tennis courts. It would have been amazing to see what Kobe Bryant could have done with women in basketball but uh i think that when it comes to uh two people who can uh get more people especially mm-hmm. with what they accomplish is definitely federer and serena
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm curious to see what serena does i just don't know if she will uh i can see her doing more of a coaching thing i don't know maybe an occasional um you know occasional broadcasting gig here and there i think with kids and and where she's at in her life, I can see Federer doing more of that. I just I feel like he's so immersed into the sport. Uh, he's always been very you know very enthusiastic about talking about the sport. And I agree. I mean, I think Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady would be a tw- horrible analyst. <laughs> I think. I mean, I don't think he's got that much wit. I don't think he's that funny. Payne. I know Payne had a lot of wit. He's funny, but Payne would probably just be bashing his brother and bashing people. So he wouldn't be a good analyst either. But I think. I think Tom would be a terrible analyst. A lot of the best players don't don't end up being the best coaches, or is definitely not the best analysts as well. But um, I think uh, it, it's I think Federer could definitely be uh, a good one though uh, if he was to stick with the sport.
1: Yeah, and you go back to like um, how like Tom Brady wouldn't be a good analyst. It takes a really like uh, charismatic like former athlete to be like good at like transitioning. Like mm-hmm. for example, I feel like Tony Romo and Greg Olson are great broadcasters right now because like of the way they know, they they tackle the, the game, they know how it works. It makes they make it entertaining. Whereas I think like former former athletes that have tried to go that route, like Akib Talib and Nate Robinson, weren't weren't like as good as the transition as you can get as those two guys. Not to sound like that they're not capable of doing it, but I just feel like. You know, like Robo and Olsen like have like transitioned better than like Taleb and Nick Robinson, I feel.
0: Did Akeem Taleb actually try to go into broadcasting in the booth? I know he had his he own did. podcast. He
1: did. He? he absolutely did, yeah.
0: Yeah, after the whole debacle with his brother, I'm not sure what I think of him, but
1: um mm-hmm. I mean A Robinson uh, did too. and yeah, he was not good.
0: Yeah, Jason Wynn. Do you remember Jason
1: Wynn? He wasn't good at Jason all. Jason Wynn? Man. yeah, I
0: like
2: him.
0: <laughs> he was terrible, bro. He can he was so that. bad, he's like, I gotta come back to the league, dude, for one more season. <laughs>
1: that's right he did for, for like what was it the raiders or where did he come back to the cowboys he he went to
0: i think he got signed for the for the no, he got signed by the raiders
1: that was, that's uh, what i thought yeah
0: yeah he got signed by the raiders i think he went, might have went back to the cowboys and, and went to the raiders at, at one fall. remember
1: the when they wanted to give T, tim tebow a tight end role oh yeah the jack that's then he been talked lo- about he couldn't for a while. Lock properly and then he's like okay you're done
0: Yeah, man, that's been talked about for years. Like, if you grew up in the States, uh, RC, probably the same up there as well in Toronto. But they've been talking about it in in football for years. Like, bring back, Tebow, especially with his old coach, Urban Meyer. Uh, They tried him out, and he was incapable of transitioning. He didn't have the body type, didn't have the
1: strength to do it for years, man. And then he went to a club, and his career was over.
0: Yeah, and, and and now he's, like, marketing cryogenic therapy with his wife.
2: I don't know if you've seen those ads. I didn't know about that.
0: Yeah, you got to check out those ads, man. They're actually pretty good. They're actually pretty good.
2: Cryogenic therapy. Okay. What the hell? I mean, uh, Tim Tebow, he, you know, A for effort. But, man, he had his hand in way too many cookie jars. I mean, he Ah, went from baseball to being a tight end to, uh, you know, everything about um, his political views. And, uh, yeah, my man needs to – slow down and focus on something. Mm -hmm. For somebody who doesn't really follow football, obviously Tim Tebow made history in that uh, playoff game against the Steelers when he was with Denver. Uh, You know, if he just focused on that, I mean, obviously we're talking about tennis and we're talking about Tim Tebow. But anyway, uh, like, uh, you know, if he was able to focus on uh, one thing more, if he had his uh, people just say, um, you know, just take a step back here, uh, you know, would he been able to uh, to be a tight end uh, or whatever the case is? So, uh, anyway,
0: uh... you know what? I give him a lot of credit for for being who he is and not caring what people yeah. think, and, and putting himself out, outside, you know, putting himself out there, and have, being opinionated, especially being a, a commentator during college football uh, Saturday, and um, and trying things out, and. You know that's against the naysayer. I gotta give him a lot of credit. Like I said, he's doing this cryo stuff. I mean, I'm getting these ads like crazy when I'm on YouTube. I don't know about y'all, but um, yeah, he's he's really doing it. He's really putting it out there, and I think he's making a huge influence to a lot of people who are faith based or you know people who have aspirations, just to kind of be a role model for a lot of young kids. So um, he gets a lot of flack, but I, I give him a lot of credit for for his approach. Um, so I, I mean, I have a question. Like, what do you guys like? If you had a chance, if you're on either of these teams, which coach would you want? Would you want Bjorn Borg, John McEnroe?
2: Oh my and lord! And uh, why? <laughs> and, and why? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, my thinking is is that just because you're a great player doesn't mean you're a great coach. But uh, that's true. If you are, like, I mean, what is Bjorn Borg, is Bjorn Borg able to break down uh, drills, uh, why forehands and backhands and shots, uh, like, what is the right form, is he able to, uh, you know, uh, articulate himself the right way? Right. I guess, I mean... I I I guess I'm leaning towards McEnroe because I I am of the mindset that coaches do need to be authoritative, right? Uh, so I don't really know how I don't know what uh, Bjork was like, but uh, Bjork Borg was like, but uh, yeah, I, I would probably go McEnroe.
1: So f- for me answering this question, like of course, like I haven't seen both of them play to give you like a definitive like answer, but like I guess like RC said it would depend on like the 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 coaching style of like each uh person like right. i think like you do need to be more authoritative i think they need to be more push like firm but but, but not like like too much to the point where, where it's like um they're going to go past it l- like a player's limits i feel like that the correct coaching style i feel like would be the, the most appropriate one would definitely be my pick but i can't really say for sure
0: so Born Borg is more of just a chill, laid-back guy. Of course, he was a monster, one of the greats. He created the the forehand loop that we see today. Back in the day, the players used to just kind of like tap the ball without having a backswing, so he created that. But he's just he's an old-school, like laid-back guy who doesn't say much. He, I'm sure he provides some technical stuff, but he doesn't have that bravado. He doesn't have that opinion like John McEnroe does. I think John McEnroe has been so close to the game for so many years, you see him in interviews, he's confident, He he's pushing his, his players to do well, He's and the players you know, really respect him because he's still so close to the game. You, I think it's a no-brainer you go with John McEnroe as your coach. No doubt about it. Um, Borg, of course, one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, which one of these players, that was the last question, um, you guys have some additional comments that you want to do, we'll wrap this up right in a, in a few few seconds here. Which one of these players excites you? You look at team world Uh, you got TFO you got um, you know you got Sock, who's kind of been around for a bit you got a bunch of other guys you got Dimonor you got a bunch of guys on there you got um, the Canadian guy of course Um, and then you got the guys from the United States you got from the the world you got Titsipas one of my favorite players you got uh, Rude I mean who do you guys uh, from this list like who would you guys want to play with
2: Who, who would I want to play with? I mean, I think it'd be an honor to uh, play with play any all. of these cats. Yeah. But uh, I guess uh, uh, it'd be really interesting. I think uh, uh, TF uh, Francis Tf for me. Uh, I think uh, it's it's been uh, the drought of American dominance has been. Uh, uh, I had it's time to uh, get somebody into the uh, the forefront into leading. Uh, tennis in North America, and I think TFO is, uh, just, uh, the, the perfect person to do that, so, uh, obviously, you guys know, uh, that OJ alias and Shapovalov would be, uh, incredible, but I'm yeah, biased Yeah, I forgot, like I forgot
0: OJ's name, OJ, was like, <laughs> I was thinking of, OJ's playing, he played really good in that tournament, I'm telling you, he beat Djokovic really well.
2: Yeah, 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 so I, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, biases aside, uh, I think Tiafo would uh, just be uh, uh, the perfect person. Alcaraz as well. Okay, yeah,
1: Yeah, I, I think I would go with Tiafo too. He seems like an, a nice, chill dude to like to like play a game of tennis with. Like, he's he's a really like um, what's the word? Um, contagious like personality. Like, I like seeing the way the way he talks. Like, how happy he is whenever like he gets like a big point. Like how he carries himself off the court, like that big win, that big upset against the doll. I'm like, yeah, let's go, Tiafo. That's what I'm talking about. Like I like, I like being there with him. Like he seems like a, a nice dude to like really hang out with. I think I would definitely do Tiafo as well. I, I, that's another point that, that that I should have mentioned uh, earlier when we we're talking about like how there's like a really la- real lack of like, um, that big American tennis player w- when like Serena leaves. I feel like Tiafo and like Taylor Fritz are like the closest two on the men's side that I can think of that can really push past their limits and that like can really go t- to like the lengths of Andy Roddick if if they so choose.
0: Now, I'm glad you mentioned Taylor Fritz. He he was on the roster. I couldn't think of his name. And yeah, he he had an appearance. I think I think in the quarterfinals. I'm not sure how far he went in Wimbledon. That's kind of he had a good he had a good tournament there. And Tiafoe is one of my favorite players. I mentioned it on the Discord. I mentioned it. On different casts, of me and Pat are huge fans of his. He almost beat, he should have beat Federer two or three years ago in the U.S. Open in a five-setter. Uh, he has that really cool forehand, his form where he kind of, kind of, uh, you know, flips his hand and then takes the ball and, and flattens the ball on his forehand. So he's got some really cool technique as well. A really good, solid player. Hopefully, he's gonna be one of the greats. I'm a huge fan of Berrettini. I love that. It kind of seems like he's like. He's serving a volleyball sometimes when served. Mm-hmm. Um and I am a huge fan of TC because he he's beating the big three man and he he's really embarrassed the big three too. So um don't like his antics on off the court or some some of those uh uh pee breaks he takes. Yeah, his bathroom breaks, yeah. <laughs> his bathroom breaks he takes. But I think as a player, he's one of my favorite players. He's coached by one of my favorite guys, Patrick who who one of who's um, Serena's legendary coach he's, a, he's got a big tennis uh, academy in, in France so um, he's one of my favorites as well but TFO just to kind of keep it North American is also one of my favorite as well so um, that's it I mean that's all I have for the Labor Cup I mean we talked about a lot of great stuff uh, as far as you know just international sports international tennis uh, Serena and, and Federer's you know as icons in their and how memorable their careers have been, how influential they're going to be to the upcoming um tennis players. This tournament itself being such a great tournament and kind of being underrated. Um and if you guys have any other uh, comments, uh let me know otherwise uh we'll kind of wrap up here.
2: No, I'm uh no, thank you so much for uh for welcoming me on uh you know, it was an impromptu thing. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm working from home and I will be Uh, this week because uh, I tested positive for COVID so uh, yeah all's good with me and um, hey to talk uh, sports with you two guys uh, yeah I'll take it any day of the week yeah man yeah
1: Yeah. likewise uh, thank you so much for having me I like again this is impromptu for me because like I finally had some free time today so like thank you for like uh, even inviting me on here to like talk tennis always a pleasure and of course, anytime that you want to do it, just just make sure like text me first, and we'll definitely do this again for sure.
0: Got it, man. Yeah, I definitely wanted to have you on here, Kevin. I'm glad you showed up, RC. Um, since you have COVID, RC, I mean. I wouldn't want to play with a guy like Djokovic, I'll tell you that, because he, he's, still, he's still not vaccinated. <laughs> you know, I was supposed to have Pat Redbox on here. Uh, Pat had to get his uh, his booster, but Pat, you know, so I don't know if I want to play with Pat either. But
1: <laughs> you, you can but, play with me. You can, you can play with me. I'm, I'm vaccinated and boosted, and I don't have COVID.
0: I got you, man. You, you know your stuff as well. So uh, thanks for, having, yeah. thanks for uh, joining me on this, and uh, we'll do this again, guys. Thanks.
1: Oh, yeah.